on this episode of Jeff Does Vegas. You know, you could be the draw here. They don't they don't have a Dean Martin like the Sands has. They don't have a Frank Sinatra like the Dunes has. You could do like your wheelies and tricks that you do at home here as a draw for whoever owns this place. So uh, Evil said the more beer I drank, the smaller these fountains got until I decided I'm going to jump these fountains. Las Vegas. It's more than just a city. It's a feeling. It's that feeling of excitement when you spot the lights of the strip out the airplane window. It's that feeling of awe as you stroll down the boulevard, taking in the sights and sounds. And it's that feeling of satisfaction, knowing that you're in the greatest city in the world. Over 42 million people from around the world share that feeling every year. And I'm one of them. Taking you to the world-famous Vegas Strip and beyond, my name is Jeff. And this is Jeff Does Vegas. Welcome to episode number 146 of Jeff Does Vegas. Before we get into this episode of the podcast, I want to thank my guest from the last episode, Petra Massey, a.k.a. Boozy Skunkton of the Atomic Saloon Show, currently running at the Venetian in Las Vegas. Petra and I sat down to chat about what got her into performing, her work prior to joining the Spiegel World Universe, how the show Atomic Saloon has evolved, and much more. If you haven't listened as of yet, jump into the archives at jeffdoesvegas.com or search out episode number 145, Petra Massey, Inside the Atomic Saloon. It's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. One of the most serene spots along Las Vegas Boulevard is also home to one of the coolest spectacles in the city's history. I'm talking about the fountains at Caesar's Palace and the attempt to jump over those fountains by the legendary Evil Knievel. During my last trip to Vegas, I caught up with Joe Friday from the Evil Knievel Museum in Topeka, Kansas. Joe was attending the same conference as I was, as he's prepping to release a brand new podcast all about the incredible story of Evil Knievel. Joe shared the story of Evil's early life and how he got into stunt riding, what led to the attempt to jump over the fountains at Caesar's Palace, his career following that failed jump, and much more. Please enjoy my conversation with Joe Friday of the Evil Knievel Museum. I have a business in Topeka, Kansas, where we do a lot of stainless steel specialties, especially in the food business. My specialty was stainless steel, and a guy comes in and says, can you polish this bumper for me? And I said, I can, but I won't, because it's not what I do. I don't do automotive, because you got to deal with, you know, you don't just work on somebody's tractor. You have to get the whole story. They pull their their phone out and start telling you all about it. So uh, it ended up being, he, he's really trying to twist my arm. This is Evil Knievel's bumper. And I say, Do, did Evil Knievel have money? I didn't know Evil Knievel was dead at the time. <laughs> um, but it turns out that it was historic Harley-Davidson of Topeka that needed this restoration work done because they were working on this semi-truck that Evil Knievel had. It's like a circus wagon. If this big red wagon comes to your house or it comes through your town, you know something big's going to happen. So... We ended up helping them out, and a uh, hundred local contractors helped out, and so we 
restored this big red truck and that's how I started to get involved. Mm -hmm. And so you mentioned like you didn't know Evil Knievel was dead. Were you not an Evil Knievel fan prior to to this situation? I mean, I'm sure you were obviously you were aware of who Evil Knievel was. Yeah, I was a fan when I was a kid, mm -hmm. but in 1977 Evil Knievel dropped off the map. Right. For the whole world. Uh, so and me included I just quit following him when they quit putting him on the front of the, the National Enquirer or right. whatever. Um, so I hadn't heard that name since 1977. Right. I was a fan then, but it moved on. And so, I mean, obviously now you're, you're involved with the museum, so you know the Evil Knievel story intimately. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the Evil Knievel story and, and share a little bit about his life and, and his history and, and how he where he started and what he, he ended up doing. Okay, so he started in Butte, Montana, where he was born, and started all the shenanigans in, in Butte, Montana, the motorcycle riding and the um, hucksterism kind of deal where he started a security business for 30 bucks a month. He guarantees your tavern will not get broke into. <laughs> yeah, one of those kinds of deals. Yeah, yeah okay. Like you I don't pay it. the 30 bucks, well, there's no guarantee your tavern's not going to get broken. I get it, yeah, yeah. Uh, worked at the mines there, dropped out of high school there. He was a, a high school athlete, so he was a ski jumper in high school, award winning, and uh, an amateur hockey player after the Army. In the Army, he was a pole vaulter. So that's where he got to start. Uh, made his way sort of around the country. His hero was Joey Chitwood from Topeka, Kansas, who was a hugely skilled race car driver. He could take his car up on two wheels, go around a track, took his show on the road. He's got rodeo clowns and everything, and he's jumping over flaming barrels. And Evil Knievel goes and sees Joey Chitwood crash into a wall and says, that's what I want to do the rest of my life! <laughs> it's a long story, but his launch into stardom was here in Las Vegas. Right. So I think people who are, are Vegas uh, fanatics or even with a little bit of knowledge about Vegas have a, a bit of an idea of of the Vegas connection with Evil Knievel. But it was, was it 1969? Am I getting my numbers right? Yeah, what's that? 60, uh, 60, oh, 67. So I was close. Okay. It was, so you were really close. I was really it was close. New Year's Eve. Yeah, New Year's Eve, 1967 into 68. And, and he decides, prior to that, obviously, he's going to jump his motorcycle over the fountains of Caesar's Palace. Yeah. He's unemployed at that point. He, he tried to have a Joey Chitwood circus where he had a little, a little guy come and, and entertain crowds. If Evil was going to jump over two trucks, then Butch Wilhelm would get on his little mini bike and jump over two Tonka trucks. <laughs> <laughs> if Evil's going through flaming boards... Butch is going through cardboard. Yeah. And I mean, as an aside, Butch eventually became an Ewok and he lived in Hollywood. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> but he's unemployed. He's sitting at a bar in Butte, Montana, when one of his buddies says, Hey, you know, our, our fellow beautician, but beautician, I guess they would call it, our fellow beautian is fighting against Dick Tiger. His name's Rick Rouse from yep. Butte, Montana. He's going to fight against Dick Tiger in a boxing match, and it's in Vegas. Let's road trip it. So they pile from the bar into a van to Vegas where they cannot afford a room at this palatial venue. It, mm. Jay Sarno has built this $25 million hotel, yeah. called it Caesar's Palace. It's got the Roman columns. The hostesses dress like goddesses. They can't 
cannot afford to stay there, but they can afford a beer there. Mm-hmm. They go into the bar, and one of his buddies, this guy says, his buddies got great ideas. You know, you could be the draw here. They don't, they don't have a Dean Martin like the Sands has. They don't have a Frank Sinatra like the Dunes has. You could do like your wheelies and tricks that you do at home here as a draw for whoever owns this place. So uh, Evil said, the more beer I drank, the smaller these fountains got until I decided I'm going to jump these fountains. I'm going to call the owner of this joint. Yeah. And that's exactly what he did. He called the owner. Could not get past the receptionist, even though he explains I'm famous. I was on Wide World Sports for three minutes last year. Um, Jay Sarnos is not going to take the call because he tells the receptionist, no more calls from that yeah. yahoo. So Evil begins to dis- disguise his voice. <laughs> I love it. Right? Hey, it's Bill Fleming from ABC's Wide World of Sports. I'm calling to about this Evil Knievel character that's supposed to jump your fountains on New Year's Eve, making sure you have enough rooms for me and my entire crew. Sarno says, never heard of it. Uh, then, hey, it's Sammy Smith, my boss here at Sports Illustrated, told me to come take pictures of this character, Evil Knievel, jumping over your fountains on New Year's Eve. What time does that start? Um, and then, finally, he, Evil calls with a lawyer accent. Hello, it's Saul Rosenberg. I understand that you're promoting an event in which my client, Evil Knievel, is to jump your fountains. The only problem is we don't have any sort of contract or agreement for him to come perform at your place. I'm inclined to sue you, as it happens I'm going out of town with another of my clients. You may have heard of Lawrence Welk, but Evil Knievel is in Las Vegas and available to meet with you tomorrow. (laughs) So by then, Sarno is going... I love it. Yeah, Sarno goes from never heard of it to call me back to... Where you been, kid? I've been looking all over for you. Yeah. So that was the beginning. <laughs> That's the beginning of the Caesar's Palace story. Mm-hmm. But later, Evil fessed up to it, and he and Jay Sarno became close friends. Yeah. But at the time, uh, that's how he, he got the gig for uh, very little money, like $1,000 on New Year's Eve and $1,000 on New Year's Day. Mm-hmm. He, he And then Sarno said, I'm not... I'm, I'm not coming to your hospital bills either. <laughs> so, Knievel Rex, just spoiler, I guess it's not a spoiler Spo- alert. Spoiler alert, it spoiler happened. Spoiler alert, 1968. <laughs> 1968, <laughs> but, you know, spoiler alert, in case you're, uh, you're, you've been living under a rock since then. Yeah, yeah, he, it did not go well for him on no. this jump by right. any stretch of the imagination. Went very badly. <laughs> Went very badly. Very badly. Yeah. He hit the top of a van, the very last van, uh, cleared, cleared most of the fountains. I mean, he did clear the fountains, but had a, as he said, I never had a problem jumping a motorcycle. It was always the landing. Right. Right. <laughs> uh, broke both wrists, both ankles, his hip, um, his uh, pelvis, and uh, femur. Yeah. <clears throat> and went, was rushed to the hospital. Meanwhile, Sarno, the owner of the hotel, is watching from the portico chair. It's a great vantage point, but he's got these two little kids with him, his kids, his mm. two sons. And they both thought they saw a man die. Right. And Sarno says, no, Mr. Knievel mm. was alive. I could see him speaking as they loaded him into the ambulance. But to reassure you, I will take you to the hospital and, and show you that Mr. Knievel's okay. Yeah. It takes him 20 minutes to get from his office to his car, which normally takes two, two minutes. Right. But it's so crowded. And... 
Sarno starts scratching his head thinking, wow, this place is so packed, it's taking me this long, and I've still got this clown signed for a second jump. Right. right? It may not be tomorrow, but he's, but we're, we're con- yeah. he's congra- contractually obligated to go and do it. They get to the hospital. Knievel is awake, alive, and alert, uh, flirting with nurses, but in a lot of pain. Right. And he says, thank you. Jay, thank God you're here. Uh, you got to get me out of here. I don't have insurance. <laughs> of course. Right. Of course. And Jay Sarno, you've, you've known Jay Sarno's story. Yes. I mean, a very, very famous developing Caesar's Palace and, and uh, Circus Circus and, and heavily involved in the, the development of Las Vegas in the somewhat modern resort area. He would have been, I mean, to compare him, he almost would have been the Steve Wynn of that era. Of Las Vegas. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Like, like from Frontier Town to Mega Resort. Almost. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, anyways, the point is that he, he's a super mind when it comes to marketing. Mm-hmm. And he says, don't worry, kid. I, I will cover your hospital bills if you roll with me on this marketing plan. Mm-hmm. Because you're coming to jump again as soon as you get out. But uh, you got to heal up first. So I'm going to pay off the nurses to speak to nobody. I'm going to pay off the doctors to hold a press conference in their white lab coats, which they do. And uh, the doctor gets, stands out front and says, yes, Evil Knievel is alive in our hospital. And we are assured that he is going to try again as soon as he awakes from his coma. <laughs> Just the, the ultimate... The ultimate level of, of P.T. Barnumish showmanship, right? Yeah. Like, really? <laughs> he is. Both, both those two characters. Yeah. I don't know how this town survived both of them on the town at the same time. That's outstanding. He never did end up doing that, the second jump, but that is what launched his career, that, that press conference, because it not only ran in Butte in Las Vegas, but it ran in Kansas City and New York and Dallas and Chicago, this mm-hmm. crazy maniac crashed and almost killed himself and he's fixing to do it again yeah well and i mean he went on after that like you say that was the 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 jump that really launched his career because he went on from there and i mean it was um he did further jumps and he was you know bigger jumps and bigger paychecks and of course then came endorsements and all of a sudden this is a guy who is on lunch boxes and he's action figures and he's it's millions of dollars in endorsements that he's getting as well the cash cow was this toy i don't know i'm not sure if you're old enough yet but if you're old enough yet if you're old <laughs> enough but there was a toy when i was a kid mm-hmm. that outsold barbie in 1974 it's the first action figure made after a living breathing human being mm-hmm. and that's the evil Knievel stunt cycle right Wind it up, it's got a little gyro in it, and it takes off, and it really works. It was one of those toys that actually worked as advertised. Yeah. And he made more money off of that toy than he did any events or television or movies or jumps. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen videos recently, because there's the odd time somebody will score one of these things off of eBay or in an antique store that still works, and you see the video of them, and they're just winding it up and you watch it and yeah like it actually does work really well the way it should work as opposed to so many of those other toys that yeah they didn't work like that this this really you could set it up to jump over stuff is fantastic so fun and all started here in that hospital bed yeah he had called wide world of sports which is eventually turned into espn but wide world of sports was on one day a week and uh, said i'm i'm jumping 
over the fountains at Caesar's Palace, come cover me. And they said mm-hmm. they declined. We were, we've already got a schedule, but maybe if you take some footage, we might use it if you send it to us. Right. So he hired private contractors, John Derrick, who's more famous for marrying Bo Derrick. Mm-hmm. And his wife at the time was Linda Evans, who's famous for Dynasty. I think Dynasty, yeah. And they took the footage of this... I mean, this amazing footage, which is kind of like the agony of defeat now, yeah. but at the time, had it developed, dropped it off for, to be developed in Los Angeles, where they lived, went camping for a week, because that's how long it took to develop the film, mm-hmm. and returned. The developer hands him this canister and says, I have done Oscar work, and this is the best footage I have ever seen in my <laughs> entire life. And they took, they rushed it to Las Vegas, screened it on Evil Knievel's hospital room wall mm-hmm. there, and it's just, it's Evil Knievel head over tea kettle, it just looks exactly like a rag doll, and his bones are breaking, and you can see it. And even though it's black and white, and even though it's old footage, it's it still makes one cringe to look at. And of course, when he saw it for the first time, his eyeballs turned into little dollar signs and he said, right. man, I'm going to take that on Joy Bishop and Johnny Carson. And yeah. if people don't want to come watch me at their state, watch me make a jump successfully at their state fair, they sure don't want to miss it when I die there. <laughs> right? it, it was almost like him failing that jump really kind of was the best thing that ever happened to him. So true. Right? So true. So true. <laughs> and the fact that, I mean, what still blows me away to this day is the fact that, yeah, he pitches it to Wide World of Sports and they're like, eh, no, you know what? Get back to us if something exciting happens. <laughs> something exciting really happened. It right? did. That's, that's so cool. And I mean, so to this day now, there's there's been a lot of... And well, I mean, to follow up on that, as you say, he never tried the jump again. He never attempted the Caesar's Palace jump again. Was that a choice? Was it a, his choice? Do you know if it was a, a choice by Caesar's or was it it just he never got around to it or Caesar's wasn't willing to let him nearly die again? Like, how come that never happened? Yeah, I think that was probably Evil Knievel. Yeah, that did not uh, hold up his end of the bargain on that contract. <laughs> I th- and the reason I say that is because you did a special on Caesar's Palace and mm-hmm. stunts there. Yeah. And they did let other people do it. They mm-hmm. let Robbie Knievel do it, and they let Travis Pastrana do it. Yeah. And Gary uh, Wells. Gary Wells tried it, too. He also spectacularly failed as well. So, yeah. Yeah, it didn't go well for a lot of people. That's true. <laughs> yeah. And, and so, I mean, the connection, the Evil Knievel connection to Vegas continues today. I mean, there is... There's a, a a fair bit of history, particularly I'm assuming you've been down to Evil Pie on Fremont Street. Yes, which, Evil Pie. Which, of course, is, is run by the estate of Evil Knievel. And if you've never been there, it's such a cool little joint, just jammed with Evil Knievel memorabilia. It's a fantastic place to go. Yeah. It, it, the first time you ever went in there, was it just kind of like, this is awesome? Yeah, that's the first time I was in there. I was like, this is awesome. This yeah. is awesome. Uh, by then, I had already worked at the Evil Knievel Museum in Topeka. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it was less awesome than the, the museum in Topeka, but they, they had some stuff. But do they serve pizza at the museum in Topeka? No. There you go. That's that's what wins it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jeff, you haven't been there. and yet, But the barbecue at the at the museum. There we go. Really good. Coming up, Joe talks timeline for the launch of his Evil Knievel podcast and shares some very exciting Vegas-related Evil Knievel news. 
That's next on Jeff Does Vegas. Let's talk about the museum. So right now it is in Topeka, Kansas, which um, seems kind of random in my brain. I'm assuming there's a reason it's in Topeka. I hear you. Yeah. It is sort of random, mm. but that's where we're from. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where Mike Patterson's from. And mm. he he befriended a really great guy, Lathan McKay, who was the collector okay. of, of Evil Knievel paraphernalia, if it was Evil Knievel, he was on. He was and is on a mission to get it. Mm-hmm. Starting with a pair of leathers, and then he, Lathan, looked around to see where the Evil Knievel Museum was, and mm-hmm. there wasn't one. So, uh, Lathan just went out and collected a lot of different things: mm-hmm. motorcycles and helmets and uh, jewelry, canes, capes, mm-hmm. and had a traveling exhibit for a while. Okay. Eventually, he ran across this big red circus wagon that I was telling you about. Right. And uh, it was rotting away in a, in a lot in Florida. And didn't, Lathan didn't really know where to get it restored. He had tried a place or two that just couldn't get started. And Jeff, I mean, it was dilapidated. You could right. see sky through the cab of the Mack right. truck. And uh, call, was friends with the... Jerry Lee Lewis family from Memphis, Tennessee. Okay. Yeah. And uh, historic Harley Davidson of Topeka. That's their specialty. Not to you know, like repeat words, but it's pretty self-explanatory. They specialize in the historic restoration of Harley Davidson. Right. So if it says Harley Davidson, whether it's 1906 or whether it's 1940, whatever it is, mm-hmm. Mike's going to make sure that that gets restored to pris- as pristine as you can pay for. Mm-hmm. That's how it started. Lathan called Mike and said, hey, do you... I've got this Mack truck that was owned by Evil Knievel. Can you restore it? Yeah. But what Mike hears is blah, 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 Evil Knievel, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> right. Mike's like, yeah, bring it, bring it. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. So this motorcycle now is in the business of restoring a big tractor trailer with a coach and, and, mm-hmm. um, and the, it's, a Mack, it's a 1974 Mack truck, I think. Yeah. So it took a couple years, and it took 100 local contractors, and and as I said, I was one of them, but Mm -hmm. uh, Goodyear Tire was another one, and it's all painted like a motorcycle, so Mm -hmm. all the old decals, all the old logos are replicated in hand-painted design instead of uh, logos. That's awesome. Anyway, far, far too big for the traveling museum. Right. And so built a... A thirteen thousand square foot museum there, so that people could enjoy mm-hmm. Lathan's, Lathan and Mike's collections. That's awesome. And so now the plan is: this is kind of very cool, and this is how you and I sort of connected and talking about Las Vegas and Evil Knievel. The plan is the museum is coming to Vegas. Hot damn! Hot damn! That is is so cool. So let's talk a little bit about that. You guys have a location in mind. You have a timeline in mind of when people are going to be able to to start visiting the Evil Knievel Museum in Las Vegas. Yes to the first part and no to the second. Okay. So, yes, there's a place, and it's in the Arts District, which is between the Strip and downtown. Right. In Fremont. And the Arts District is an up-and-coming spot. Mm-hmm. Everybody I've talked to here in Las Vegas this week is super excited about the Arts District. I have not been there yet. 
Yeah. They've got first Fridays and Mm -hmm. it looks hugely crowded. It's, it's a a real booming area uh, in the city. And, and as you say, it's with lots of great restaurants and lots of great new real estate and lots of great new apartments and condos and, and living space. And it is, it is the hot spot for, for people to be going to in Las Vegas right now. That is where, where everybody is starting to go is into the arts district. So that is, that's an outstanding spot. Good. <laughs> I didn't pick it. My, uh, the, the team picked it. But yeah, it's, it sounds great. And they've got a new punk rock museum going in there yeah. just down the street. Yeah. And I don't know what other, but there are other museums. Oh, there. Burlesque museum. Yeah, the Burlesque Hall of Fame is, is down in there. I've, uh, I've had them on the podcast. I've never, I've yet to go through, but uh, I've had them on the podcast to talk about the history of burlesque in Las Vegas and the Burlesque Hall of Fame. And yeah, like it's, it's a, a real growing area. And that location, um, being near Fremont and being downtown, but also being sort of within easy access of the strip. That's a great spot. That's good. a really good spot for that to be. That's going to be excellent. Topeka has been really kind to us. Yeah. Um, but Vegas, I mean, come on, that's, that's where it belongs. Yeah. Nobody could argue that it should be in Topeka, Kansas. Right. Instead of Las Vegas. And so now something that you've branched out into, and that's why you're here in Vegas this week at, at this conference conference everybody comes to vegas to go to a conference um you're here podcast movement evolutions learning how to get into the podcast space you are launching an evil knievel podcast which i think is super cool um what made you want to jump into the podcast space with this well we've been talking a lot about marketing with Mm -hmm. the to coordinate to coincide with the opening of the evil knievel museum here in las vegas and Podcasting is one of those things that I that I hadn't thought about in the last decade. But what I had thought about is I want to share these stories. People come in there and a lot of people have a story about Evil Knievel. And a lot of them are getting up in years. Um, our mission is to preserve and present the, the legacy of Evil Knievel. So I wanted to get... The stories of, say, the driver for Evil Knievel, of this big red truck, because you know he's got great stories, whether he's telling them or not. Yeah. Uh, But I was walking around at this conference. (laughs) (laughs) We do. For those those listening to this episode of the podcast, we're doing the air quotes around conference. But you and I went out to uh, watch... To watch bands play. Monday, yeah, it was a Monday Dark, Dark, yeah. Which was yeah. freaking awesome. And so it's mostly sitting in a dark room, listening to loud music, and probably about, I don't know, 15 minutes of socializing. Yeah. And I met John Katz, yeah. or you introduced me to John Katz, who said, my uncle was the owner of Bicerous Erie Cranes. And I'd heard, heard that name. I'd seen the name on the cranes that did... Sky, the sky cycle, but yeah, this is an example of one connection. Mm-hmm. Then I'm at the bar, and this girl sees my jacket and says, Evil Knievel, my dad did all his jewelry for Evil Knievel and all Sammy Davis Jr.'s and all Frank Sinatra's, and he did the TCB for Elvis, and his name is Mordecai. And so I'm texting Mike from the museum saying, Hey, dude, we are, we're getting gold for this podcast if I can get these people to come on. Yeah, and he says, How do you? How are you making all these connections, right? <laughs> I said, just wear the jacket. Yeah. Just wear the jacket. People come up and they've yeah. got stories. Yeah. So I've got some in the bank for editing still. Sure. But 
the biographer of Jay Sarno. Is that David Schwartz? David D. Schwartz. Yeah, yeah. I've had I've had Dave on uh, a couple so of times awesome. to talk. We talked about because um, he wrote a book about the Sands and the history of the Sands, and so I had him on to do talk about that. And then he also joined me to talk about uh, family friendly Vegas because he wrote a bunch of stuff. He was involved in some panel discussions. I think they were hosted at the Mob Museum about the family-friendly era of mm-hmm. Las Vegas. And um, and yeah, so that's great that you were able to get David on to, to talk. That's yeah. great. Yeah. Then we've got a couple others. Um, just as a preview of our podcast, Eddie Langert invented the metal golf driver. They were called Woods before that. He right. used a three-wood. But he invented it for weather purposes. He was a golf pro in Wisconsin. And it turns out these metal drivers could nail a golf ball a really long ways. Invested his life savings, mortgaged his house to build 16 prototypes, took them down to Florida, couldn't get any traction, couldn't get any buy-in. I mean, this sport's 500 years old. Nobody's buying Metal Woods clubs. And ends up on a golf course where Knievel tries to hustle him. It's a long story. You'll have to listen to the podcast. But... Evil ends up buying into this metal golf club. This guy had traveled from Wisconsin with his with $22 and 16 clubs, ends up getting six of them into the PGA tournament that weekend and sells $2 million worth of clubs that weekend. Jeez. From $22 to $2 million wow. with a little help from Evil Knievel. Yeah. Uh, and then George Sadlack was Evil Knievel's painter. He's going to be on. And then hopefully we can get Lathan and Mike on. Yeah, it's been it's been fun. So I, I've got a few recorded. I've got most of those edited, not not uh, released yet. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to come to this conference first so I could, you know, get tips and tricks on yeah. how to get those things uploaded and what the best ways to market that. Mm-hmm. Now that we're done with, I would guess I'm gonna go home and see if I can get it launched. In the meantime, if people want to learn about the Evil Knievel Museum and they want to hit Topeka, Kansas, um, how can they do that? You guys are online. You've got social media, of course. Yeah, both of those things. Both of those things, social media and online. So the online is evilknievelmuseum.com. Mm-hmm. That's a, a great way. I mean, it's, it's fairly static, but it's the very best place to buy Evil Knievel gear. Mm-hmm. And... The Evil Knievel gear I'm talking about is not cheap keychains, sorry, but it's expensive, well-made clothing and, mm-hmm. and um, historic replicas of his canes and really good stuff. Mm-hmm. So that, there's that. But then online, the, there's, there's Facebook and Instagram and all that stuff. Yeah. Well, I, I wish you all the best with all of this. I I think it's going to be excellent. I, I really, I'm looking forward to the launch and I'm looking forward to having something new to check out when I come to Vegas. Yeah, right on. Excellent. Joe, thank you so much for this. Happy landings. And that wraps up another episode of Jeff Does Vegas. If you've got feedback on this episode of the show, or any other episode for that matter, or you've got suggestions and ideas for topics you'd like me to cover on the podcast, please feel free to reach out to me via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Jeff Does Vegas. Or drop me an email directly at Jeff at JeffDoesVegas.com. In the meantime, thank you so much for checking out the show. Be sure to follow us wherever you get your podcasts so you'll know the moment new episodes are available. And don't forget to visit JeffDoesVegas.com for past episodes and show notes. My name is Jeff, and this has been Jeff Does Vegas, a Walker New Media production.